Hi everyone, welcome to the Desi Crime Podcast. I'm Ishwarya, your host for this episode. And I'm Aryan. Before we start the case for today, we want all of you to go over to our Patreon and subscribe for amazing exclusive features like merch, awesome extra episodes, early access episodes, video calls with us and more. To help the podcast out and to avail these benefits, go to www.patreon.com slash desicrime and select a tier that works best for you. We'd also like to thank our two newest patrons, Bistril and Nysa. Any contributions you make in helping run this podcast mean the world to us. We also want to thank India Today writers Ramesh Vinayak and Vijay Jang Thapa, whose reporting on this case in 1999 proved to be invaluable for this episode. When in 1999, the body of a beautiful 34-year-old model and celebrity bartender was found lying on the floor of the fancy Tamarind Court restaurant in Mehroli in New Delhi with a clear bullet wound to her head, her family and the cops thought this was an open and shut case. This was a party of 300-some people after all. Someone has to have seen something. Someone will come forward. There should have been no dearth of evidence in the case at all. And seven years after the crime, the verdict was out. The Times of India printed the verdict on the front page of their February 22, 2006 paper. No one killed Jessica. This is the story of that night in 1999 when Jessica Lal was killed, yet somehow nobody killed her. This is the story of Jessica Lal. Alright, Aran, so it's almost winter break. You're going back to India tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What are your plans? What's up? Christmas, Santa, any any fun stuff going on? So the first and foremost thing is I need to pack and okay. I haven't packed yet. Uh, so my flight is in less than 12 hours. So Fantastic. The, the, the moment this recording gets over, my priority is packing. But in terms of India, I'm, you know, celebrating New Year's with the family. I'll be traveling a lot. So Mumbai, mm-hmm. Bangalore, I'll be going here and there, meet people. So um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Very cool. What On record though for all of you, Aran is a horrible packer. I have literally yeah. packed his entire suitcases for him at times. She has. Um, but yeah, that, that sounds incredible. <laughs> Very fun. I'm jealous you get to go to the warm warm winter comparatively yeah, warm winter yeah. of india from the u.s but my winter break actually i'm going to be celebrating christmas for the first time since i figured out in the fourth grade that santa wasn't real <laughs> and sorry spoiler alert for all our listeners who <laughs> still think santa is real but um, we do have some pretty young listeners so i'm we sure do. you're Oopsie. popping some bubbles right now <laughs> yeah that's unfortunate but so i'm excited to do that i'll be in michigan and merry christmas to you all happy new year i hope you have fun resolutions and a great, great year coming up ahead. All right, Ashwara, I am curious about the case we have. Not because it's a case I haven't heard about. I think I've heard about it too much and know <laughs> yeah. about it almost little. So I think I've never gotten down to actually reading up on it and being able to figure out exactly what happened. Obviously, it, there's this famous Rani Mukherjee and Vidya Balan movie yep. on the case, also titled as your opening intro had, No One Killed Jessica. 
But that's a 2011 movie. I haven't watched it. I don't know how many of our listeners have watched it. So tell us, who is Jessica Lal and what is her story? So for this story Aran, we're going back to the year 1999 in New Delhi. A swanky new restaurant had opened up called the Tamarind Court, located inside kind of an old haveli or a fort which was called the Kutub Colonnade. From all the restaurants in the Kutub Colonnade haveli, there was a beautiful view to the Kutub Minar, a view that even today makes the restaurants in that vicinity a hot spot for Delhi's rich and young alike. The Tamarind Court restaurant was owned by famous socialite and entrepreneur Bina Ramani, who was the quintessential representation of Delhi's high society. Perhaps a lot of our listeners are too young to know this woman or of her significance, but here is how the tabloids of the time describe Ramani. Quote, before Bina, there was no figure in Indian society circles with perhaps the exception of Maharani Gayatri Devi who was ever known internationally. Wow. End quote. In fact, for all you Delhiites, it is Bina Ramani who is credited with discovering and setting up the Horse Cars Village, another one of Delhi's luxury hotspots. But Ramani was by no means uncontroversial. Her ties to people connected with Daud Ibrahim and her friendship with controversial Tantric Chandra Swami was just the beginning of what seemed like an incredibly shady lifestyle. I I've never dove deep into these conspiracies, but at this point isn't just everybody connected to Daud Ibrahim? Am I connected yeah. to Daud Ibrahim? <laughs> That's actually really funny and 100% accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Daud Ibrahim is everyone's best friend. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have no clue, but that's what people allege about Ramani. Now, Ramani came from wealth but had no access to her family fortune. She created it for herself after her divorce from her husband, at the time of which she was just an Air India employee in New York. After that she set on to open boutiques, export garments, enter the world of luxury hospitality and open a host of fancy restaurants, one of which was the Tamarind Court in Mehrauli in Delhi. And the Tamarind Court was a restaurant meant for people like Bina herself, the glitterati of New Delhi, the sons and daughters of politicians and international ambassadors, the nieces and nephews of Bollywood actors and actresses. And Thursday, the 29th of April 1999 was a special night in that regard. In fact, on every Thursday, Tamarind Court was the bar in Delhi to be seen in because they hosted their special Thursday night party where alcohol flowed through the veins of the restaurant like water. Just to understand the gravity of who was partying there that night, there were fashion designers Rohit Bal and Tarun Tehlani, Hollywood actor Steven Seagal, no vice chairman of Apollo Tires Neeraj Kanwar, Abhishek Bachchan's sister-in-law Natasha Nanda, president of the Confederation of Indian Industries Rajesh Shah, art dealers Rohini Sharma and Ritu Valya, Madhya Pradesh Chief Minister's son Nakul Nath, the heir to the Bombay dyeing empire Jay Wadia, and the list went on and on and on. So basically, the Indian Indian Illuminati was there. <laughs> Basically, anybody who was somebody in India was there that night. But the Tamarind Court did not have a liquor license yet. Bina Ramani had applied for a license, but it hadn't yet been granted. All alcohol being served on the premises that night was being sold and served illegally. But there was a simple workaround to serving alcohol at an establishment without a license. Call it a private party. Mm. Bina Ramani's then husband was about to leave for Canada that week and she set up this party as a goodbye for him. This is what every bartender and server and guard that night was asked to do. Call it a private party. But by every standard the restaurant bar operated that night like any other it was no private party. The question is though did a bar serving people like the ones I mentioned above even need a liquor license? 
and the answer is it did not it's a rather small crime with the fine of rupees 2099 money but it exposes an attitude towards running a business an attitude that lacks integrity towards a business where one of india's most gut-wrenching murders was going to take place 2000 rupees is probably what a cocktail cost yeah, that's the precisely. fine of serving a cocktail 100% Just give a cocktail so not a big deal at all yeah 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 and with the magnitude of people right. drinking those cocktails there that uh-huh. night nobody could touch peanut money Now for a party of this nature the bartenders and servers for the night needed to match the crowd and so it was no surprise that behind the bar counter and serving that Thursday night were some of Delhi's prettiest and most up and coming models and actors one of whom was 34 year old Jessica Lal dressed in a white shirt knotted at the front and denim shorts Jessica looked just as beautiful as she did in a white and red sari with a bindi on her forehead Jessica actually got this bartending gig because she was friends with Bina Ramani's daughter who was also a model with Jessica Malini Ramani. For that night it was Jessica and up and coming actor and model Shyan Munshi who were bartending. Now I swear to god guys if you look up Shyan Munshi online and his ex-wife you will see these two people and be like I've seen them somewhere they've been in some movies enough movies you've definitely seen these people. While Jessica was behind the bar counter that night pouring away drinks for the who's who of the country the cause of her demise was getting ready to arrive at the Tamarind court Manu Sharma the 24 year old son of former union minister and Indian National Congress member Vinod Sharma had been a regular at the Tamarind court in the past and this Thursday night he had every plan of visiting again He was supposed to get on a train to Chandigarh with his mother but instead decided to stay back and party the night away with friends. According to an article in India Today, at 10 p.m. Manu Sharma drove to the friends colony house of Amrinder Singh Gill, the 32-year-old general manager of the Coca-Cola unit in Delhi. At Gill's house, Manu met two other men, one of Gill's colleagues from Coca-Cola, a 30-year-old man named Alok Khanna, and Vikas Yadav, son of Rajya Sabha member DP Yadav. The men had decided to pre-game as we call it today before they made their way to the Tamarind court party. Now the India Today article distinguishes between these four men in one very important way on the basis of their background. Two of these men, Gill and Khanna, were your regular upper middle class South Delhi boys working a corporate job at Coca-Cola. They enjoyed their parties and their drinks, but honestly, who at that age doesn't? Colleagues described them as highly professional and nice guys. The other two however Manu Sharma and Vikas Yadav were political brats they didn't shy away from the fact that they enjoyed living on the edge they enjoyed skirting the rules and they enjoyed flaunting the power that came from their political backgrounds that they were born into Manu was open about his love for cars and guns and was described by multiple people as a young man who couldn't hold his drinks That night the men downed a few drinks before finally leaving for the Tamarind court at around 10:45 p.m. in two separate cars. By 11:15 p.m. the men had arrived. Little did Jessica know that walking through the doors of a bar full of life and fun was the reason she would never wake up to see another day. At the bar the men began drinking again and slowly but surely they got more and more drunk. Now the bar was supposed to close at 12:30. The seating would still remain open but no alcohol was to be served after that time. But that was a particularly busy night and the bar ran out of alcohol at 12. Person after person went over to the bar asking for drinks but every time they got the same answer. The bar is closed and slowly people started to leave. 
Now it was 2am. The restaurant wasn't as full as it was at 11, but enough people still stuck around. It was at 2am that a drunk and sloshed Manu Sharma made his way to the bar and asked Jessica for another drink. Like everyone else, he too was told, the bar is closed. But unlike the others that night, a no was not enough for Manu. He offered to pay Jessica 1,000 rupees for just one more drink. But Jessica replied, I won't even give you a sip if you give me a thousand bucks. Can I have a sip of you for a thousand bucks? Responded Manu. An infuriated Jessica asked Manu to get out of the establishment. But this was a blow to Manu's ego. In his own words, it was embarrassing to hear that even if I paid a thousand bucks, I would not get a sip of a drink. These sound like the words of an entitled young man whose father's money had afforded him a yes for everything he ever wanted. For the first time, someone had said no. A woman had said no. Manu no longer felt strong the way he was used to in his everyday life, and he needed to change that. He took out from a holster attached to his belt a .22mm pistol to scare her. It's a toy, someone shouted in the background as a joke. Slowly growing angrier, Manu pointed the gun to the ceiling and fired a shot. His gun was no toy. He asked Jessica for a drink once again. Yet again, she said no. Now he was pointing the gun straight at her and asked her for a drink again. Yet again, she said no. He said he intended to point the gun slightly to her left so that the bullet would go right past her. But when Manu pulled the trigger after that final no, Jessica fell to the ground and suddenly all one could see on the floor was blood. The bullet had gone straight through her temple and her death was almost certain. Not everyone immediately realized what had just happened. Eyewitnesses say the music didn't stop immediately. It died down slowly as more and more people rushed to the bleeding Jessica. Fashion designer Rohit Bal rushed to Jessica as people pulled out their cell phones and began calling their ambulances and the police. It was 20 minutes after being shot that Jessica was taken to the Apollo Hospital in the car of Sanjay Mehtani, a Hong Kong-based businessman. While Jessica was being attended to, Bina Ramani, the hostess of the party, had arrived at the scene. She walked up to a drunk Manu in a frenzy and said, ''Where is the gun? Who are you? Why did you shoot Jessica?'' But Manu was not panicking. He wasn't crying. He wasn't hysterical. And he wasn't running away just yet. In a calm voice, he said, I haven't done anything. Bina hadn't seen Jessica get shot, so for a moment there, she thought she had stopped the wrong man. The three friends that Manu had come with, Gil, Khanna and Yadav, got into one of the two cars they came in and went back to Gil's house where they had started their night. At around 3 a.m., Manu arrived there in the other car after having dropped his pistol at some random isolated spot in Delhi. Now, this is not surprising, unfortunately, but all four men were figuring out how to get Manu out of the situation. The four men then met with a fifth friend who had come to Delhi from the United States. This fifth friend helped the men find the pistol that Manu had disposed of and he took it with him. Before the cops could figure out the role of this fifth friend in tampering with evidence and helping a murderer abscond, he returned to the US. The police never found the revolver used to shoot and kill Jessica Lal. While the men were doing that, Bina had driven to the hospital where a bleeding Jessica was taken into the emergency room. 
from the hospital, Jessica's sister Sabrina was called and asked to come over immediately. In an interview with the Humans of Bombay, Sabrina described that night. She affectionately called her Shona. Quote, that summer, she got a job as a bartender at Tamarind Court to make money on the side. It was 1999. My friend and I had just set up a travel company. On the 30th of April, Shona dropped by my new office to wish me luck and invited me to Tamarind Court, but I had too much work. Before leaving, Shona said, I'll be flying to Dubai soon. You'll regret not coming tonight. I laughed it off, saying, maybe tomorrow. No way. At half past 12 that night, I got a call on my office landline saying, come to the hospital immediately. Shona's hurt. Still, I didn't take it seriously. Did she twist her ankle or something? I asked. Then the voice on the other end uttered the words that changed my life forever. Your sister, Jessica Lal, has been shot. I felt the earth slip from under my feet. These are things you only see and hear in the movies. Yeah. Before I could come to terms, my friends called for a cab and we rushed to the hospital. There was panic in the air. The police, Delhi's top socialites, journalists were all at the hospital. End quote. Sabrina reveals that that night, Shayan Munshi, the bartender with Jessica, broke down in front of her and revealed the details of what he had seen. He said he had seen Manu Sharma shoot Jessica after the fight. The fact that Shayan revealed this to Sabrina is important and I want you to keep this detail in the back of your mind. Now, a lot of accusations have been levied against Bina over what she was doing while Jessica was laying in the hospital. Many have come forward to say Bina was busy engaging in some rather useless damage control because she was serving alcohol illegally. According to the India Today article, DCP Sudhir Yadav came forward to say that, quote, Surinder Gharwali, a waiter at the party that night, was specifically asked by the Ramanis to clean the place so that the blood stains from Jessica's body could be removed quickly. No, End quote. I mean, that's erasing evidence. Now, Aran Bina even today denies this order, though. She says she never gave it. Hmm. Quote, her one-line instruction to all of us after the shooting was, get your story straight. It was a private party and no liquor was sold, said cosmetologist Rubina Sharma, who was at the party that night. According to Jessica's sister Sabrina, when a witness to the shooting was giving a description of Manu Sharma to the cops, Bina, quote, intimidated this young man who was giving a description of the killer as if she were protecting her son or relative. Bina told him, be careful about what you say. You don't know what you could be up against. These are dangerous gun-toting politicos, end quote. But regardless of these charges against Bina, though, at this point, Jessica was still alive. Her sister, her parents, her friends, including people from the party, all waited outside in the hope that she would recover, in the hope that she would live to tell the tale of that night and fight for justice herself. I was about to say the 20-minute delay that happened between her getting mm-hmm. shot and the it being discovered was, I mean, redundant because if somebody shot through the temple in the head, yeah. they'll probably be immediately dead. But this comes survived. as a shocker to me that she survived. Yes, yeah. yes, she did. But, Arjan, on the 30th of April, 1999, the day she was brought into the hospital, she was declared dead. The worth of her life was determined by the rich and the spoiled. It was worth a cheap drink from an illegally run bar in a world where money talks and power rules. As the India Today article points out, Manu wasn't doing something unusual. 
he was only mirroring what he had grown up seeing around him you could replace manu with one of thousands 100%. of political children in india and jessica with one of millions of models trying to make a mark we'd get ourselves the same case with different names and a different venue now jessica lal was dead and her sister sabrina had taken it upon herself to bring her sister justice but justice how the perpetrator of this crime manu sharma and his three accomplices were all on the run in fact even manu's family was hiding none of them could be reached by the police despite being high flying political officials but in helping the cops find manu bina ramani's husband george milhot gave the police the number of manu's tata safari using this number the police located the car abandoned in noida in no. uttar pradesh <laughs> but Manu was still nowhere to be found obviously he was smarter than that can noida not somehow stay out of trouble trouble like this didn't <laughs> noida, even happen Gazi in noida Abad, these are the places yeah, the amount of shit i get for being from noida or at least living there it's just insane yeah, at this like, point no, everything is noida nobody hears of a crime from like tiruvananthapuram yeah exactly <laughs> noida, it, yeah, south yeah. indian brethren are not <laughs> as violent i guess <laughs> no so his car was found manu was nowhere near it though But 4 days after the murder the police apprehended and arrested Khanna and Gill the two accomplices with Manu that night using them the police eventually found Manu Sharma a week after the murder hiding in Himachal Pradesh despite being caught though Manu remained as calm and composed as he did the night he had shot Jessica I did nothing yes I am innocent I don't care for what anyone presumes by May 8th 11 other men accused of being Manu's accomplices and helping him run away including Vikas Yadav who was there that night were arrested soon after Bina Ramani her husband George Milhot and her daughter Malini Ramani were all arrested on charges of running an illegal bar for tampering with evidence by ordering the staff to clean up the crime scene and for running a restaurant in India to begin with despite being british citizens oh For a moment there it seemed like justice might be served after all so many people saw a murder take place in a public setting at least one was going to come forward and tell the truth in fact one had come forward and agreed to tell the truth Shayan Munshi the upcoming bollywood actor who was bartending with Jessica that night and witnessed the entire incident unfold right in front of his eyes By the 3rd of August 1999, 3 months after the murder, charge sheets were filed with the court. Manu Sharma was charged with murder and destruction of evidence, while his accomplices were charged with destruction of evidence, conspiracy and harboring a suspect. Manu Sharma was being represented by none other than one of India's most prolific yet controversial lawyers. Ramjet Malani <laughs> who throughout his career defended Indira Gandhi's assassins Asaram Bapu and underworld don Haji Mastan Do you remember we met at a yeah, high school debate Ram Yeah we actually met Ramjet Malani yeah, together yeah And he was just as controversial Back that then, night Yeah 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 The trial began with 32 witnesses who were supposed to come forward and testify to watching Manu pull the trigger at Jessica or having some information about the crime that would implicate Manu These witnesses had been interviewed and interrogated by the police in the run up to the trial. They had all given statements claiming they had watched the murder take place or had information regarding it. These witnesses included Shayan Munshi and two ballistic experts who were supposed to show that the two shots fired that night, one in the air and the other at Jessica, were fired by the same gun. Yet, 
one by one by one as prosecution called the witnesses to the stand each of them told the court the same story they had either left the party before the trigger was pulled or they were on the terrace and didn't come down until Jessica was already shot it's almost like manu is the son of a politician and has a yeah, lot of power that, yeah, yeah it's almost like this is not surprising at all yeah it's almost like and yeah. happens yeah. it's just occasional Jesus, dude all 32 of the witnesses that the prosecution had lined up including the ballistic experts had turned hostile they had changed their stories and claimed that their original statements to the cops were made under coercion sabrina told humans of bombay quote i tried persuading the three primary witnesses to testify honestly one of them an electrician said they'll kill my family if i do manu sharma's father got to him The other guy agreed to testify if I supported him financially. I knew he was playing both sides, but I gave in. But I trusted Shyan. He was affluent and Jessica's friend. But then even he started avoiding me. Still, I had faith in the judicial system. I thought, what if these three don't testify? There were 100 others at the bar. But all the witnesses turned hostile. Mostly the excuse was I left the party before 12 a.m. Finally on the 3rd of May 2001 Shyan testified he failed to recognize Manu Sharma end quote Clearly Sabrina's faith was unfounded Shyan Munshi turned the courtroom into a joke when he suddenly began to claim he didn't understand Hindi at all and requested he be asked all the questions in English instead He said that to prove to the court that his original statements to the court and to the police shouldn't be considered since he never understood what the cops were asking him to begin with. Now the courts weren't stupid and neither were the people following the trial. What had happened in this case was obvious. It was clear as day. Manu Sharma and his politically powerful family had managed to reach the witnesses one by one since there was no witness protection at all. They had scared the witnesses or paid them off to tell a story that would get Manu out of jail. But even though this reality was plainly obvious to the courts and the people, the fact of the matter was that the prosecution now had zero witnesses. In a bar full of people, not one had seen Jessica be murdered. The questioning of the witnesses and the back and forth over the witnesses turning hostile went on for 7 years. And then on the 21st of February 2006, Nine of the twelve accused in the murder and those accused in helping Manu were acquitted. They were free men with no charges against them. It was in the year 2006, a day after the court let nine of the twelve men free, that the Times of India printed the story with a gut-wrenching headline: "No one killed Jessica." And you know who was one of the nine men that were freed by the courts? Manu Sharma, the man who pulled the trigger. And who were the three who weren't set free? One of them was a man who had been discharged years ago so he was already free and the other two were men the cops were never able to catch at all so so nobody so nobody so basically the verdict was this manu and his 11 accomplices had nothing to do with jessica's murder and jessica wasn't murdered at all she just no, happened to have a bullet wasn't. go through her head precisely okay. okay the official court document said the following the court has acquitted them because the delhi police failed to sustain the grounds on which they had built up their case the police failed to recover the weapon which was used to fire at jessica lal as well as prove their theory that the two cartridges empty shells of which were recovered from the spot were fired from one weapon can i just ask if in your research of this case uh, from what you've just said to me it seems like the court's decision is fair right the court 
cannot find them guilty without the prosecution having laid out the evidence in a manner that corroborates the crime so it's is it would you say it's the delhi police's fault or is it a mixed fault of the police and the judicial system it's the fault of firstly whoever is responsible for witness protection right and which secondly, which i would say is the prosecution in this case right, right the delhi precisely. police right but secondly a lot of other justices came forward to say that it was glaringly obvious that witnesses were tampered with and there shouldn't right, have been no right, verdict right, at all right, they should right. have declared it a mistrial, mistrial had the trial again hmm. whatever the the judges should have dug deeper had more investigators right. xyz right. but to let them go at the very free, bare minimum at the a very, mistrial i precisely. see okay now it's perfectly fair if you're asking if manu sharma was actually innocent after all 32 witnesses turning hostile is no ordinary deal this country has seen only a few cases of such gross witness tampering what if all these people changed their story because their new story was actually the truth what if the police did force the original statements out of them the police doing that is not unheard mm. of if you're asking that i'm proud of you and you're a true crime junkie yeah but i have your answers Tehelka used to be a once famous investigative journalistic magazine famous for oh, yeah. its sting operations and one of its most incredible and jaw dropping sting operations was conducted in 2006 after the trial was over on none other than Shayan Munshi the bartender and star witness against Manu Sharma A Tehelka journalist pretended to be a UK based company wanting to cast a bilingual actor for a bilingual movie In the sting operation Shayan Munshi can be seen bragging about his Hindi and Urdu bilingual proficiency and even claiming that he learned Hindi while he was in school like every other kid in India <laughs> clearly proving that his entire I don't understand Hindi ploy in the courtroom was merely a method to distract divert and delay justice Here is an audio of Shayan displaying his command over Hindi to the undercover journalist आपसे मिलने और उम्मीद यही रखता हूँ की ये फिल्म में कर पाऊँ आपके साथ Wow. Right? That's a man who That is speak. amazing <laughs> journalism. Yeah, it is. In fact, in the interview the undercover journalist mentioned the trial and Manu Sharma to Shayan. The reporter said, "The world knows it's Manu Sharma, right?" Shayan responded by saying, "Then why is the world not doing anything about it? Why is everyone beating around the bush? These are powerful people." Now justifiably so the cops were agitated they had been made a fool of in open court they had been given statements all of which now looked false their credibility had been tarnished and so it was the police who petitioned the high court hmm. for a review of the case and on the 22nd of march 2006 the court issued warrants against the nine defendants who had stood trial 
all nine of them were again set free on bail with the condition that they can't leave the country. But then, on the 15th of December 2006, the High Court came back with a ruling after considering the journalistic work done with the Tehelka interviews. They declared Manu Sharma guilty of murder and even went so far as to criticise the original judge in the case, Justice S. L. Bhayana. In fact, it was the outcry after the Tehelka videos that led Manu Sharma's father, Vinod Sharma, to resign from the Haryana cabinet. Manu Sharma was punished with life imprisonment while his accomplices Yadav and Gil were given four years behind bars. Then, in February of 2011, 12 years after Jessica's murder, all 32 witnesses who had changed their stories faced charges of perjury, a huge victory in the case. According to the Indian Express, quote, In May 2013, Delhi High Court ordered prosecution of Bollywood actor Shayan Munshi and a ballistic expert P.S. Manocha for turning hostile. The court cleared a further 17 people whose alleged hostile position was under review. Ten other people had been discharged from claims of perjury in earlier hearings and three had died since the original trial. End quote. Then, in 2020... 19 years after the murder, Manu Sharma was released from prison on account of good behaviour. Once released, Manu was interviewed by the Hindustan Times and he had this to say to the world and to Jessica's family. Quote, Going to jail is one of the most difficult and scary things that can happen to anyone. I was 23 years old and going about my work and life. And one day I suddenly woke up to the clanking sound of iron gates for a roll call at 5am. I found myself hauled up and paraded for a headcount. The most difficult task of the day was probably using the toilets, since there are just five toilets for more than 500 inmates. A bucket of water was a luxury. You face a number of hardships in Tihar, but in time you learn to live with them. I was a young 23-year-old boy. I never intended any harm and I'm very sorry for what happened. During this time, the toughest part by far was seeing my parents suffer. I feel the suffering I faced was nothing compared to what I saw in their eyes. I feel really sorry for what they had to go through for no fault of theirs. I'm really thankful to God that this ordeal has come to an end after 21 long years. I have no words to express my sincere gratitude to Sabrina and her family. I am deeply sorry for the pain I have caused them. I am eternally grateful for their magnanimity. End quote. When the reporters asked him, what would you say to a young Manu Sharma of 1999, what would you tell him about life? Manu responded, life can change in a minute. Don't take anything for granted. Upon Manu's release, Sabrina came forward to say she forgave Manu. She had no objections to him being released and that she was rejecting the compensation that Tihar Jail was offering to her. But she did miss her sister deeply, even decades later. Sabrina said, quote, She was jovial and positive in life. It is not just on birthdays and death anniversaries that I miss her. It is every day. I have lots of pictures of her in my home and not that I need them to miss her, but they are there to remind me of her, end quote. Shortly after Manu's release, Jessica and Sabrina's mother died after a long battle with cancer. Then a few months later, their father died after having multiple strokes. Sabrina says Manu killed not only Jessica, but wiped out half her family. Manu has since gone on to get married to Preeti Sharma, a Mumbai-based model whom he had been long-time friends with. Bina Ramani, her husband and her daughter Malini were released soon after their arrest, although they surrendered their passports for a while. 
they were never charged with suppressing or tampering evidence, the penalty of which can go up to life imprisonment under Section 201 of the Indian Penal Code. Bina Ramani now admits to running her bars illegally after denying the claim for many years. Quote, I told a partial lie. I know there's a penalty for selling unlicensed booze and I'm prepared for it. It wasn't such an important issue at that time. I'm not trying to pass the buck, but everyone is bending the law because it is outdated. End quote. In 2021, a year after Manu's release, Jessica's younger sister, Sabrina, the one person who fought for her justice for 21 years straight, passed away at age 53 of organ failure. She had been unwell for a while, but to Jessica's family, whatever was left of it, there was some peace in knowing that now perhaps in some version of reality, in some version of this world, the family, the best friends, the confidants, each other's rocks were united.